Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 488 of So You Want to Be a Writer, the podcast that's all about writing and publishing. My name's Valerie Koo, and I'm CEO of the Australian Writer Centre and your host. We talk about all things to do with the world of writing, publishing, and how to succeed as an author or writer. So what have you guys been up to this week? I know that some of you came to our event on Zoom. Thank you for everyone who came to our block party last week. If you missed it, we had a big night in with three of Australia's best novelists, Pamela Hart, Angela Slater and Kate Forsyth on Zoom with drinks, prizes and lots of your questions answered. The day after that big night in, I had a big day in my garden and I decided to prune a hedge that well kind of like shrubs actually that needed a bit of a trim but honestly gardening is kind of a new thing for me I really enjoy it but actually I don't know what I'm doing so I got into pruning this hedge all these shrubs and after a couple of hours it looked like well I looked at it and really it was a complete disaster so it went from being this really beautiful row of shrubs I think they're called bloodleaf plants, beautiful red things, that could have been a picture in a magazine the way they were falling over the sandstone. It was just gorgeous. And, you know, maybe you needed a little trim here and there. But after I got stuck into it, well, I can tell you that no magazine would want to feature it now. And it's not going to go on Instagram (laughs) unless you want negative likes. It's like the before photo of a makeover. My partner came outside and said, Oh, looks like you've given your kid a really bad haircut, which was so true. I was very disappointed myself because really I should have looked up some resources or guidelines or whatever on the ideal way to prune these before just throwing myself in there with lots of enthusiasm, but absolutely no idea. At least, yes, I have the consolation that it will grow back at some point, hopefully soon, And yes, believe it or not, it really did make me think of the writing process. Throughout the years, I've met people who just hack away at their writing. They allow weeds to grow by getting into bad habits and not knowing that they're weeds, not knowing they're bad habits. And then they start editing or rewriting without discovering the rules or conventions or factors or the things that make a great story. And sometimes they hack away what they don't need and leave what they should actually get rid of. And sure, in the same way that my garden will grow back eventually, if you're like these people, you will get there in the end, but it may take you 10 years instead of one before you learn all of the lessons that you could have if you simply did a course or got some guidance early. Which brings me to, if you haven't heard, we're having a 30 June sale. So this is your chance to get access to the writing course that could change your life or certainly speed up the writing process process or your learning process. There are over 30 courses, some up to 40% off. So make sure you get in before June 30. If you want to start the new financial year off the right way, just go to writerscenter.com.au slash sale. That's writerscenter.com.au slash sale to enroll in the course that will set you on your own way to becoming a successful writer. Meanwhile, I'm going to Avoid that section of my garden for a while because it's too, quite frankly, it's just too depressing to look at. And I'm going to start work on another section. But as I've learned my lesson, not before I do some careful planning about what I intend to do instead of just going for it full of absolutely clueless energy. 
Now, for our writing tip this week, I heard a kind of strange kind of writing tip this week, and it was read like it's your job. Now, at first I thought, well, that doesn't sound like a fun way to position it. But then I thought, well, for a lot of people, one of the reasons you don't find time to read is because it isn't your job or it's a chore or one of the 10 million things you have to get done every day. For me, reading is actually part of my job. I read the books of authors before I interview them. For the podcast, I read our graduates' books and other books for the Australian Writers' Centre. But for most people, when do you squeeze in time to read? If you want to be a writer, the number one advice is always to read. So many of the people we interview on the podcast tell you that. So when do you do it? I've talked before about how amazing audiobooks are for allowing you to read while you're doing chores, but my tip this week is if you're finding it hard to find time to read, then treat reading like it is your job. Make time for it. Schedule it in your calendar. Turn up like you would for a meeting or a Zoom call. So be prepared, have your book ready and your notebook maybe to make notes and make sure there are no distractions. Okay, and maybe you can't do it every day or even every week in some cases, but give it a start, block it off and see how you go. Once you start scheduling in time to read, it actually gets easier to get back into the habit because remember, if you want to be a writer, you also have to be a reader. Now to help you in your writing and reading is my giveaway for you this week. You're going to love this. We have three copies of The Novel Project by none other than Graham Simpson. The Novel Project is based on established theories of creativity and design and on the experience of authors who have adopted a structured and reliable process. It's aimed at those who want to write a book for publication or at least one that others will want to read. Easy to follow, practical and highly entertaining, The Novel Project is the inside scoop from an author who started his writing career at age 50 and whose novels have sold millions of copies around the world. It will help you craft the best book you're capable of, no blood on forehead required. Now, of course, we've had Graham on the podcast before. He was actually episode one and bookended at episode 100. So you can check out his interviews in episode one and episode 100. But if you want your chance to win one of three copies of The Novel Project, then go to writerscentre.com.au slash win. Entries close on the 4th of July. That's writerscentre.com.au slash win. Now, are you ready for the word of the week? This is one of those words that proves that there really is a word for everything. The word is carphology. That's C-A-R-P-H-O-L-O-G-Y, carphology. Now, this is a noun, and it's when people pick at their bedclothes, as in they pick at the lint when they're suffering from great exhaustion or a fever. So it's like a symptom of a delirious state. And it has a synonym, which means exactly the same thing, which is flossillation, F-L-O-C-C-I-L-A-T-I-O-N, flossillation. So there you go. Two words for one very specific thing. And that was the word of the week. If you're enjoying this podcast, you may also like the book that Alison Tate and I have written together called So You Want to Be a Writer, How to Get Started While You Still Have a Day Job. Full of practical tips, motivation and inspiration, it's ideal for anyone who's thinking of dipping their toes into the wonderful world of writing. 
We've created a blueprint for aspiring writers to follow and it's suitable regardless of whether you want to plunge straight into this new career or if you need to explore it while you're still busy in your day job. Let us hold your hand as you turn your dream into a reality. Buy your copy today at soyouwanttobeariter.com.au forward slash book. Before we move on to our writer in residence this week, I just want to remind you to stick around after the interview where I'll have more fun facts and useful information about the world of writing. I'm experimenting a little with the segments on this podcast before settling into the right lineup and I'm, I hope you enjoy some of the new things I'm introducing. But now here is our writer in residence. Today, I'm talking to Matthew Ryan Davies about his latest book, Things We Bury. Now, Matthew is already a young adult author, and he writes under Matt Davies for that, but this is his first adult fiction. So it's a cracker. So I'm really keen to chat to Matthew. Thank you so much for joining us today, Matthew. Thanks, Valerie. It's great to be with you. I'm so excited about this book, Things We Bury. Now, if listeners haven't got a copy for themselves yet, tell us what it's about. Okay, thanks. Things We Bury is a contemporary family drama. It's set in regional Victoria and it's about three siblings who travel back to their hometown after their dad is badly injured in a car crash um, that leaves him in hospital in a coma. But when they get there, they find out that the crash wasn't an accident and that their dad had deliberately ran himself off the road. Um, So the book kind of follows these three siblings as they work through this revelation about their dad. And of course they can't ask him about it because he's in a coma. Um, So it's that. And then a a kind of host of long buried secrets um, that being back in their hometown together bring to the surface. Now, it's a great premise and it gets you in straight away because it gets you into the family straight away. So, tell us tell us why, and, and for somebody who's an only child and who <laughs> isn't even that interested in the family, family dynamics, it just got me in, right? So, um, before we move into how you, about the characterization and about how everything unfolded, how did you come up with this idea? <laughs> Um, well, I guess it was a combination of two things. I mean, firstly, I love this kind of story. You know, I, I don't know if you'd call it a subgenre, but these stories where families um, with grown kids are kind of thrust together into a confined environment for a set period of time um, and always things come up. They always have to deal with things. So I'm thinking of books like um, This Is Where I Leave You and um, films like The Family Stone and, and Dan in Real Life where these families are all, all together and, you know, kind of all hell breaks loose because stuff comes out. Um, I love that kind of setting. So I wanted to do that. Um, that was one thing. And the other thing, I guess, um, I'm really interested in mental health. So I work with that area a lot in my freelance writing and editing work. Um, and so that was kind of the second element that I really wanted to in- include. Um, but I knew for the, for, the, for the book, there had to be a trigger, you know, like something, something had to force them to start facing up to sort of all this stuff in their, in their past. And um, that's when the dad's kind of suicide attempt came in as that kind of catalyst to get them all reflecting on their lives of a family and how well they know each other and don't know each other and kind of stuff that they might have seen in each other that they didn't recognise or or want to recognise. 
So you live in Melbourne, but this book is set in a small town. So tell me why you picked that setting and if you based it on a real town. Um, I picked this. I love small town stories. You know, I I love anything that's set in a confined environment because it kind of creates a combustion chamber in a way, like, you know, whether it's set in a retirement village or in a boarding school or any kind of confined environment where people feel like they in a sense, can't escape and that kind of everyone knows what's going on. And so small towns are perfect for that. Um, and it is, in, in my head, it's it's Benella, which is a um, which is a town in um, Victoria's high country. It's not called Benella in the book. Um, but if you, if you, there's lots of clues in there to sort of orient where it is, if, if you know the area. And geography um, and little things, yeah. It, exactly it's, right. Um, near Wangaratta, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, when you when I describe the town in the book, it's a bit different. Like, so this Pent, which is the town in the book, has a has a town square, um, has has kind of a big square, which is a central part of of the book, which um, Benalla doesn't have. Um, Benalla does have a lake, but it's it's a bit different. Um, but yeah, I did I did visit there. I had I had visited there already when I when I was kind of picturing this town in my book, and then um, and then while I was writing it, I did go back there a few times and just try to get a bit more of, of a sense of it. And so before we delve into the book itself, I just want to give listeners uh, some context. So can you tell us, so you you have already written a book for younger readers. So just tell us briefly about that, but also tell us about your day job. Okay, so in my yeah, in my day job, I'm I work as a freelance writer and editor. I've been doing that since 2006. So I worked in um, I worked in communication roles before that. So I worked with a the film and video production company, and then I worked in corporate communications for a government department, so for the health department. So I left the health department um, and started freelancing, and um, I do a lot of well. I, in the beginning, it's changed a bit over the years. But in the beginning, I did a lot of um, a lot of writing and a lot of ghost writing. I ghost wrote books for people um, in all it's all different kinds of area, like business books, like you do. Um, but I I also um, I, I think now most of my focus is, is is on health. So as I said, I still work for the Department of Health, and I, I work for um, places like Beyond Blue and Cancer Council and other health related organizations um and there's been a lot of focus on mental health and i've <clears throat> over the last probably 10 years especially and so did you really always want my mind did you always want to write fiction like and and what ended up how how did you end up writing the the book for younger for younger readers well um i wasn't a big reader as a kid i have to say which is unusual for an author um but i had this idea that i wanted to write a, a book probably maybe when I was kind of approaching 30, I guess. And um, I started trying to write it and I couldn't find what I know now is my voice. I couldn't find my voice because I hadn't been a big reader. Um, I had ideas for this story and I was trying to write it, but I just didn't, you know, I hadn't really read much since high school. And um, so I started reading a lot more um, and I actually started writing, the first three manuscripts I wrote were um, crime fiction for adults um, and I kind of got increasingly better with each one. And, um, by the third one, I had, I had a publisher that was interested. Um, but then I had this idea for this YA book and, um, I thought that because of the story idea, I thought it would best be told from a teenager's point of view. So it kind of automatically becomes YA. I didn't intend on writing a YA. Um, and I just found it, um, 
it suited me really well. Um, I got into the voice easily, I felt. And um, so, yeah, I wrote that book. Um, and then I've written, I've, I'm still writing YA. Um, but then I had the idea for Things We Bury and I wanted to write that. And um, I really, it was it was different because it's, it's felt more like my own voice, you know, because the, the characters are more like my age. Mm. Um, and in some ways it felt easier. Um, but then in other ways it's, it was more challenging. But, um, but yeah, I, I, I would like to continue to write both. Yes. So you write under Matt Davies for YA and you write under Matthew Ryan Davies for adult to to make that distinction. Um, You would like to write both. You also have a day job. Tell me when you fit this in. Uh, well, I fit it. I, I guess I fit it around the, the day job. I mean, I would love to be able to say that I have this kind of lifestyle, like you know, I'm in, in Stephen King's book in, on writing. He talks about he writes in the morning, he goes for a, a walk, you know, in the middle of the day, and then he reads in the afternoon. That sounds perfect to me, perfect, perfect. But you know, I have to feed my children, so I have to work. <laughs> um, so you know, there are, you know, there's always deadlines with the freelancing work, as you know. So um, I always make sure I meet those. Um, I do, I do try to write in the morning if I can, like, especially like I'm, I'm writing another book at the moment. Um, but I've, I've kind of at the end of the first draft, I'm editing now. So it's different, but when I'm, um, when I'm writing the first draft, I try to get a few hours in the morning. Like what time? Um, Like what, just at the start when I, when I get, so when I, I get up, you know, do whatever in the morning, eat breakfast, whatever. And then I sit down and I try to get a few, few hours done when I'm freshest, um, that's and quite I, a chunk, a few hours. Yeah, yeah, and I, I, I try to, and I am, I am for a thousand words. Um, oh wow! Yeah, just because I want to, I want to see some some progress. Because when you're in that drafting stage, it's more, you know, like I'm, I'm thinking outside of those times, and I'm kind of mm. planning outside of those times. Because I am, a, I am sort of a, a planner. I, I want to be a planner, and I like to plan, <laughs> and I try to plan, but um, doesn't always work out that way. Um, so I sort of know what I'm writing for the day and then I can, when, I, when I've got those few hours in the morning, I, I can sit down and, and just write because I've been doing the thinking outside of that time and I've been doing the planning outside of that time. Yeah. So everyone's start of the day is different. So what time of day is, do you actually write? What, from what time? Well, outside of COVID time, my family would, would you know, we'd all be sort of here in the morning and everyone go off to their things, school, uni, work whatever it was. Um, and then so by sort of 8, 30, 9 o'clock, the house is quiet. I sit down and I start to work. You know, I, it's, it's a work day. I work from mm-hmm. 9 to 5. Um, now it's a bit different. My son's at uni, so he's not kind of, kind of keeping regular hours and my daughter works from home some days. So it's, it's, a, bit, um, it's a bit all over the place. But, um, but, yeah, I'm definitely – usually I get up and I do some exercise, go for a walk, listen to a podcast in the morning, <laughs> get my head into it. Um, just get my just get moving, I guess. Um, and then, you know, I, I'm always sitting down by by nine o'clock, um, and then yeah, probably finishing around lunchtime if I'm if I'm writing. I mean, I don't write every day. I can't write every day. I just don't have the time. And then, um, you know, if I if I've had a, a busy day with work, by the end of the day, I'm I, I don't want to keep keep writing. Um, mm. But I, you know, it's my own business. I'm a freelancer. I treat every day as a day. You know, I don't sort of have weekdays and weekends. If I want to sit down and do some work to catch up on the, you know, to sort of get ahead of the week on um, for the Monday, then I'll then I'll work on the weekend. I don't look at it as, you know, this is 
time I have to set aside for this or that. And, you know, being a freelancer, I can do, you know, it was great when the kids were little, you know, I could go on the school excursions and things like that. And, you know, you can do things you need to do during the day, go to the bank or whatever, that sort of stuff. Mm. You know, I, I just treat my days as, as just all just time, you know. Mm. Um, but, um, but now that I'm, I'm, I'm writing uh, like my second adult book and I do have a, a deadline, um, I've had to force myself to, for the first time ever, to, to, to just do it. I have to, I have to sit down and do yes. it. Yes. Is that a different kind of pressure? Because presumably with your first couple of books, you wrote it in your own time. There wasn't a deadline because you needed the full manuscript to get the deal, so to speak, with the publisher. Yes. But now the publisher yep. obviously knows and loves your incredible writing and your storytelling. They are saying, we want the book, the, the next manuscript yes. by this yes. date. So, yeah. Does it A, stress you out, but B, kind of like sometimes when people have that pressure, it's like stage fright, right? They can't perform. So what's it like for you now that you've got that pressure? Um, well, it's, it's, it's kind of good. I mean, I feel when I think about it, I think how lucky am I that I have um, mm-hmm. an opportunity to write, to write another book. Um, it, on the one hand, um, it was daunting at the start because I'd never, I, ha- I had kind of a year to write the next one, and I'd never, I'd never written a book in a year because exactly like you said, you know, no one's waiting for it. You're just tinkering around, and um, so I think the pressure's been good for me. Um, I do worry sometimes that I haven't, you know, because when, when when you spend three or you know two three four years writing a book you know lots of Mm. people are looking at it you have lots of time to think about it you have lots of time to go back and really uh, kind of delve into it and so I feel like I'm missing out on that this time but I know that my publisher you know when I work with them when I work with the editors we will get into all of those things you know like things that I've you know that I need to go into a bit deeper or or whatever so it, it, it will all work out, but at the start it was a bit like, oh, I've got to write a book in a year, and you know, because you know, when you're when you're pitching for the first time, when when the publishers don't know you, obviously you you want to make it as as polished as polished as polished as it can be. Um, so yeah, so my previous my previous submissions have been, as I said, read by lots of people. You know, they've been looked at by my writing group and all those things, and I've worked on them for years, and. Um, and I actually mentioned this to my publisher about, about you know, I don't know how I'm going to go just writing it in a year and how deep I'm going to be able to get into it if I'm, you know. And he said, you know, you'd be surprised that now you've been through this process a couple of times and with the editing and all that, that it will it will come easier. Um, and, yeah, and I think uh, in some respects it, it is. You know, people, people often say that, you know, writing a book never gets easier, but <laughs> there are certain aspects of it to do, you know. Mm-mm. Well, one of the things is you said that you are kind of a planner or you want to be a planner. So let's talk about this particular book and about how you planned that. So when you started, you knew that it was going to be a family drama, that you knew presumably there was going to be some siblings who came together. And I guess you had the inciting incident. Like, tell us about how you thought about the rest of the book. Did it come to you all at once? (laughs) Did it come to you over, you know, a period of time? Did you actually know what was going to happen by the end? Tell us about the entire planning process and how you, how on a practical level, you actually noted down your, your, well, plot points really when you thought of them. Yeah. Well, as I said, I like to plan, you know, I like, I I love the, 
I love that the start of the process where you have this idea for a book, you think, oh my God, it can be this and it can be this and it can be so great. And there's nothing wrong with it yet because you haven't started writing. There's, you know, it, it's in your mind, it's perfect, you know. And um, <laughs> so I like to try to sit down and sort of start to, okay, so as you said, the inciting incident, this happens. And then, you know, then maybe this can happen and this can happen and this can happen. But I can, I can only... I find that I can only plan to a point because I don't know the characters well enough to be able to know what they're going to do. I mean, I have a general idea of I want this to, you know, thematically, uh, this is what I want the book to be about and this is what I want readers to come away with and this is kind of where I want it to end. So what I tend to do is I, you know, I plan, I use a spreadsheet, I plan out scenes um, because I don't sort of write in chapters, I write in scenes. um, so I plan out scenes and I start to write and I, I, and I don't always start from the start. Um, sometimes I'll just start writing, you know, scenes that are vivid in my mind. And then I'll, um, so I'll start writing those just till I start to get to know the characters and their voices and that kind of thing. Cause this book has three um, point of view characters. So they're, mm. you know, different voices, different perspectives. Um, so I started thinking about all this in about, uh, well, in 2017, um, 2018, I started writing it. I was, um, I was kind of getting into it, but, you know, I was writing other stuff at the same time and I wasn't really committing to it. Um, and then 2019, I thought, no, I just need to finish this book. I've been mucking around with it for too long. I just need to get it finished. So um, I said to my writing group, you know, rather than me bringing shorter pieces to the group every month, um, would it be okay if I just didn't submit anything this year and I give it to you right at the end? Um, and then you guys read it over that summer break, read the whole thing over the summer break. And then when we come back in 2020, we can talk about it because I felt that would be much more valuable for me to look for them to look at the whole thing rather than just kind of bits. And you gave yourself a deadline. And I gave myself a deadline. Exactly. <laughs> so it was perfect for that. Um, so that's what happened. I, um, they, they read it over that period and um, we came back. Um, we didn't, we, we never meet in January, February. There was, you know, as people had things on. So we met at the beginning of March and, um, and there were problems with it. <laughs> There were lots of problems with it. Um, And I came away from that meeting thinking, do I, should I continue with this book or not? You know, like I know, I know what I want it to be in my mind and in my heart, but I don't know if I'm good enough to, to write that book. Um, And then literally the next week we were, we started getting lockdowns in Melbourne with COVID. Um, I thought, look, I've I've worked on this for so long. I'm just going to, I'm going to have another go at it. And um I started by taking out one of the um, point of view characters. So in the final book, there's three point of view characters, the three siblings. We also had the mum as a point of view character in the first draft. So I took her out because she was kind of the one I was connecting with the least. And um, that it was 120,000 words came down to about 90,000. So that was good. Um, And then I just stripped stripped it down. I went back to basics and I looked at each character and kind of thought about, you know, what they want, what they need, and what scenes do I need to get them from from A to B? Um, mm. So then I kept I worked on it for a few more months, um, showed some people, and was really happy and surprised to find that it was no longer terrible. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then I um, and then I ended up pitching it um, at the end of that year. I pitched it to publishers. So at the end of twenty twenty, I pitched to publishers. But um, the the second part of your question about did it change? It it, it did. Um, 
it's 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 not the book that I had intended to write at the beginning. Um, so no spoilers, as you know, there's kind of a a, a big incident. Maybe don't talk about it. Don't talk about it. <laughs> I, I won't. I won't. Kind of 20, 25% of the way through, and um, which changes the direction of the book. And it was the direction that I that I hadn't intended going going on, but um, yeah, I, um, I just kept coming back to it, and I. I it was kind of pushing me in one direction, so that's the, that's the way that, it, that the story ended up going. So let's talk about the characters because you said that in some cases you don't know what's where it was going to go because you didn't know your characters well enough at the time, and obviously you got to know your characters extremely well as you developed them. So I want to talk about that because the siblings um, are Josh and Jack and Dane, and they are so real you know people well I feel felt like I know people like that or they're they're my plumber or they're my friend's friend or you know what I mean like I I felt like that's just like him anyway so in terms of developing those characters it sounds to me from what you've just said you developed a lot of them as you wrote how did you was it just a matter of writing or did you do some other process to fully flesh them out and give them a backstory and, you know, really get to know them? How did you develop them? Yeah, I did think about that a lot at the beginning. Um, I wanted each character to sort of represent thematically something in the story. Um, But then with a multiple perspective story they all, all those stories need to tie into the, to the bigger themes and the bigger the yeah. bigger um the bigger story so that was that was a challenge because when you're writing a multi-perspective book it's it's like in in this case there's three three characters and it's like you're writing three books you know so they all have their own stories they all have their own trajectories um but they all need to tie in as well there needs to be some kind of central conflict that's that's pulling them all together as well um so that was difficult but um but yeah, I definitely so so as you said, the three siblings, the oldest one, Dane. I definitely had a had an idea of what I wanted him to represent, um, and then Jack, as you said, who's Jacinta, so she's a female. Um, she's in the middle, um, and then the youngest one, Josh, and I. Yeah, they were all sort of aspects of of of, of family and looking at family in different ways um, because they all see their own you know, their parents and that family and their own, you know, kids, they all see them sort of in different ways. And I wanted to present the three different perspectives of, you know, like um, I guess this thing of what's going to make you happy as a person. Is it fulfilling your own needs or for or kind of fulfilling the wants of your family? Like what is mm. important? Whereas, you know, because like Dane is really um, he's, he's very loyal and he, he, he's very um, focused on, making his family proud of him and being, you know, being a, a good son. And then um, I wanted to have different perspectives with, with Jack and with Josh. Um, mm. they, they all sort of see those things in different, like, you know, J- Josh treats his family very differently from the way that, um, from the way that um, Dane does. And Jack has a very complicated relationship, especially with her mother. Um, so, yeah, I guess I wanted to, I did think about it beforehand because I didn't want them to have all the same story. I wanted them to have very, yes. be coming at family from very different perspectives. In terms of the dialogue, the way each character speaks, um, 
when you on on the page, even if you didn't know that it was like there were no speech tags, let's say, or you didn't for some reason, if you didn't know who it was the character, when you read their dialogue, you knew the character, you knew who it was. So did you do that consciously or did the dialogue just come out naturally because you knew her character so well? Or did you think about certain things that they would say in the way that they would say it? Um, I don't know how consciously I did it. I guess, like you said, it's just getting to know the characters. And um, Jack, for example, is very blunt in the way she speaks. Um, and that's one of the things I love about writing fam- writing families and, and writing family stories is that, you know, you, you can be yourself around your family in a way that you might not be able to be with friends. Mm-hmm. And um, I love, especially I loved writing this stuff between Jack and Josh um, because they sort of add each other and, and they, um, they sort of tease each other a little bit. And um, so I wanted to have some of those lighter moments because there are some pretty dark themes in this book and I wanted to have those lighter moments. And I think those two really, really provide them. And, um, but I think just knowing your characters, like, you know, you know, like the, the way that, mm. um, the way that the way that Dane looks at the way his siblings are living their lives, you know, mm. he he has one perspective, and then they have a, a different perspective, and that that creates conflict, and that's what you want in a book. You mentioned before that you your first three manuscripts, presumably unpublished ones, were yes. crime thrillers. So um, you obviously have some kind of, uh, you you resonate with that genre. (laughs) Um, uh, This story has the tension that it's kind of would also be in a crime thriller, even though it's, you know, not, um, not, you know, classified in that genre. How did you maintain, what did you think of to maintain that tension? Because it keeps the reader going, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I wanted I wanted there to sort of be a mystery element that was surrounding it, and that is, um, and that is well, one of them is why why the the dad um, got himself in such a position that he wanted to take mm, his own life. Mm. Um, I wanted that to be sort of threading through it, and one, one of the characters, Jack in particular, kind of makes it her mission to try to get to the bottom of that. And as I said. You know, he's in a dad's in a coma, so she can't ask him. Um, so that's why I wanted to, you know, as the author, keep him in a coma um, mm. because I didn't want her to be able to just go to him and say, "What's going on, Dad?" I wanted her to be able to think about their family from a, from a dip- different perspective. Um, so there was that, and then they all have their own kind of issues that are that that are going on. Um, I mean, this is not a spoiler because it's on the it's on the back of the uh, back cover of the book. But Josh is dealing with a um, Josh mm-hmm. is in the public eye. He's um, he's a host of a reality TV show, and there was a sexual harassment allegation on the set of his show, um, which closed down the show. Um, and so he has kind of been in hiding a bit because he's a very recognisable person. Um, and so he's kind of been hiding out in his apartment for the past three months, and has now come to Pent because his dad has been in this um, in this car crash, and he's sort of back out there and in the public a bit so he's dealing with that and then um dane is um dane dane the oldest one he works in the family business which is a construction business and with their dad out of action um he has to step in and take control of the business which he's not comfortable doing he doesn't want to do he doesn't want to work in the business um and when he's when he starts doing that and looking at the business from the kind of upper level he starts noticing some things that are not quite right um in the business and that's um and he's conflicted about that because he's loyal to his dad and um 
he's a very sort of honest person. So what's going on in the business? What's happening? That's one sort of mystery. Um, with with Josh, did he was he responsible for this sexual harassment allegation? And then with Jack, um, what happens with her? This is also on the on the on the back of the book, so not a spoiler. Um, she um, when she comes home to Pent to to see her family. Um, she tells them that she's engaged and they didn't even know she was seeing someone. Um, mm. she, she's a very private person. So, um, but then she's conflicted because she's not sure whether she actually wants to marry this, this man and, and what are her reasons for wanting to settle down at this time in her life. Um, so there's all sort of these questions about will they or won't they, how, how this is going to turn out. So those threads are sort of running through the book, um, which give it that, I, I, I hope, that, that extra tension that, that keeps readers turning the pages. And that was a conscious decision. Did you actually think at the start, oh, I need these sub-threads to keep, the, to, to underpin, you know, with some other kind of tension throughout the story as well? Was that a conscious decision at the start or did it kind of just happen instinctively for you? It, it was, it, well, it was conscious. Like I, when I was writing um, the, the, the crime fiction, when I started out, because I, I, I started out writing that because I was reading a lot of that. That's what I like to read. Um, and I just couldn't imagine that so like, like with crime fiction, you have something to hang the story off. There's this solving of the crime. That's everything comes from that. I mean, obviously you can go deep into characterization. You can do all these things, um, but there is something to hang it all off. There's an anchor there. Mm-hmm. And I, w- and I used to think, how, how can you just write a book from nothing when there's nothing like that? Like, like a relationship, for example, how do you know what's going to happen next? And you know, what, what's going to pull the reader along? I just couldn't imagine how you would do it. Um, but um, I mean, I, I I hope I've gotten better at that, um, and reading a lot more widely for you know a long time now. Um, I think I understand those things a lot better. But um, but I, I don't know. It gives me a bit more a sense of security to have that sort of mystery element to running through mm. it, something something to keep the something to keep the the reader going, and also. You know, it's it's a commercial fiction, um, really. So, uh, you know, it sort of needs to have that, and and that some of that stuff did get ramped up in the editing process. Um, my publisher said, you know, I think we need to, I think we need to ramp this up, or the, the tension or the conflict up a little bit more. I think we need to put some little, you know, some more questions around this or around that. Um, so those were sort of things that I I added at the at the editing stage. Um, but no, I was definitely conscious of it from the, from the start. This this book needs to be a miniseries. <laughs> I think I've already cast it in my head. <laughs> they can film it in, you know, Castlemaine because everything seems to get filmed in Castlemaine or Clunes or something. So they'll, the setting's sorted. But I think this book needs to be a miniseries. Tell me what was the most um, enjoyable thing about writing it and the most challenging thing about writing it. Um, well, the most enjoyable was probably, um, like I mentioned before, some of those conversations between Jack and Josh, you know, they were just, they're, just, they're so brash with each other and, um, and, you know, I really wanted to have those, those, those lighter sort of funny moments. Um, so that was, that was, that was fun. And I love, um, I love the editing process. So, Really? No one says that. Well, very few people say that. Why? <laughs> well, one because it's um, it's I want you know I want the book to be as good as it can, well, and yeah. that's what that process is about. And I enjoy you know talking about my own writing, and you know, and <laughs> and looking at and you know when it's very specific because you know you can read books on craft and all that sort of stuff, and you can hear 
um, tips from people about writing. But when someone's talking about your own work, that that's that's my professional development. You know, that's you know, yeah. that's that's how I get better. When someone says to me, you know, that you do this a lot, or you know, you tend to be doing this, and you know, it would be great if you maybe you know. Um, I heard a, a tip. Um, I was listening to to your podcast yesterday, and the and the tip from the author was about you know getting rid of the last sentence in a paragraph. Do you really need the last sentence, or do you, you know? And and having the editor point that out to you um, to say you know you probably don't need this, and you know it will be much stronger if you if you don't do this. That that's gold. You know that's how you mm. learn. That's how you that's how you get better. So that's what I loved. But um, but yeah, the the most difficult thing is is always the. the, the the, the questioning for me, you know, like I'm not a good decision maker at, at any time, but, and, and writing a book is decision after decision, after decision, after decision, you know, how am I going to yes. say this? Where am I going to put this? Am I going to put this here or up here? You know, do I need to, should I reveal this or shouldn't I reveal this? You know, like, yeah. am I, am I wait, making, making the reader wait too long for this? Should I just put this bit, you know, that's all those things stress me out, you know, <laughs> 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 decision fatigue <laughs> yes oh god yeah yeah so that, that's probably the, the hardest bit just the questioning of myself you know like yes and that's where you know when you can show someone else and they can sort of say yep you're on the right track you know this is okay this is okay yes maybe it's got some problems or whatever and think about this and think about that um but that's when it starts to feel a bit better well you know it's a fantastic book when when you finish the book, you already are hanging for the next book by the same author. So congratulations, Matthew. Thank you. Let's Thank leave you. on. What would be your um, top three tips for aspiring writers who would love to be in a position where you are now? Thanks. Um, well, I reckon the first one is is got to be persistence. Um, I mean, I've been writing manuscripts. Like I said, I've written quite a few um, for 20 years and it took me 15 years to get published um so um you know and there's so much you know in obviously in those 15 years i just got better and 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 better and there's so much you can do to to improve your writing in terms of um you know reading like a writer and um listening to podcasts like like this one and um connecting with people in, in in the community and and you know things like that reading books on craft um Mm. But having said that, I don't recommend kind of flogging a dead horse either. You know, if you've been trying to sell the same book for five years and it's just not happening, that's pretty demoralizing. You know, it's time to move on to something else and, and start something fresh. And, you know, maybe you'll maybe you'll publish that book later down the track. Maybe that won't be your first book, but you know, I would definitely recommend moving on and um and starting something something new. Um right. The other thing I would say is joining join a writing group. Um, mm. That was one of the best things I ever did for my writing. And um, I was in a group for probably 10 years. And, um, you know, you, obviously the critiquing of your own work is really, really valuable. But it's also valuable just to be sitting around, you know, with other writers and looking at other people's work because you may have read something and thought, you know, it's not, something's not working here for me. I'm not sure what it is. And then you get in the group and someone says, you know, this is not working because of X, Y, Z. And then you're like, yes, that's what it is. And, mm. and you really learn from that. Um, so that's a great way to learn. And, and also just that having that little community of writers around you, you're all sort of um, in the trenches together yeah. um, and, you know, swapping war stories and, you know, that's really helpful. And, you know, because, so much rejection you know in in this industry and to have other people around you to be able to to kind of get you through those those times and there's a lot of them um i think it's a really a really great thing 
Um, the third thing I would probably say is just about writing advice is to just, you know, kind of take it with a grain of salt, take what works for you and what doesn't. I mean, you, you know, if you don't want to write every day, don't write every day. You know, if you don't want to count words, don't count words. If you want to plan, plan. If you want to pants, pants, you know, whatever works for you, it's all trial and error. Um, mm. And that's what it's been like for me. I mean, I've tried something different in this book that I'm writing now. I've tried something completely different that I haven't done before. And it's just just trying things and, and, and seeing what, what works for you and um, whatever gets the words on the page, you know, just because you've got to get those words on the page. Otherwise, it's not going to be a book. Yeah, absolutely. Well, like I said, congratulations on Things We Bury. Um, it's I have no doubt we're going to see so many more from you and I cannot wait to read them. Thank you so much for your time today, Matthew. Oh, thanks, Valerie. It's been great talking to you. This podcast is brought to you by the Australian Writers' Centre, a world leader in writing courses. Our hugely popular course, How to Write About Murder, is all about creating more authentic action for your crime or thriller novel. Presented by award-winning crime author Candace Fox, this course covers nine modules of fascinating detail, taking you beyond the police tape to explore what motivates killers and how they go about their business. You'll also immerse yourself in the chase, from the murder scene and autopsy to the investigation that follows. Plus, because it's one of our on-demand courses, you'll get instant access and learn at your own pace with 12 months access to all course materials. You can find out more at writerscentre.com.au slash murder course. I hope you enjoyed my chat with Matthew. His book is out today, so make sure you get a copy. Now, did you know that American author Jack Kerouac wrote his famous novel On the Road on one giant scroll of paper, which is 120 feet, that's 36.5 metres. It was made up of smaller 12-foot scrolls of paper, all taped together. Now, you might ask, why? (laughs) Well, Jack typed about 100 words a minute, which is pretty fast, and he didn't want to keep replacing the paper as it interrupted his flow on his typewriter when he was in one of his marathon typing sessions. And the thing is, we're never going to know the original ending of the scroll, as in, you know, what happened to the scroll, because, get this, it was eaten by a dog. So, innovative way to avoid putting new paper in your typewriter. That's it from me this week. If you'd like to connect with me, I'm always in the podcast listener community on Facebook. Just search for So You Want to Be a Writer podcast community and request to join. It's free to join. Love the conversations that are happening in there. And of course, you can feel free to connect with me personally on Instagram at Valerie Koo, that's K-H-O-O, on Twitter at the same handle and also at ValerieKoo.com. Thanks for listening, everyone. And I look forward to chatting to you again next time. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Writer. You'll find the show notes at writercentre.com.au slash podcast or sign up for our awesome and often hilarious weekly newsletter at writercentre.com.au slash news where you'll find writing resources, giveaways, competitions and much more.